Okay, we're ready to rock and roll. I'm going to stand over here a little bit more so these folks can see better, so uh, I'll try to, try to be out of their way as much as I can. Uh, right now, we're going to begin our discussion of biblical sexuality and uh, just a challenging subject, uh, lots of implications. We're still frozen, Chris, it looks like. Okay, there we go. Okay. I know the first question on everybody's mind is how long can we have sex? I mean, till, till how old? Well, 72 apparently, so that's good news. Uh, till, till you've been married 72 years, which would make you about 92, so there you go. Okay, sexuality. Uh, sexuality is an expression of the oneness that God wants us to experience in the marital relationship, and, and I want that theme to permeate this entire presentation uh, God has created us male and female for the purpose of becoming one flesh. We see that uh, uh, taught to us in Matthew 19 as well as Genesis 2. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Notice it says become one flesh. It's a journey. It's a process. The, the more we're able to employ the biblical truths that, that Dan and Nancy pointed out to us, the more we will grow into that one fleshness that uh, uh, honors and glorifies God. We're no longer two separate individuals. We become more and more the one that God has intended for us to, to be. Again, we want to uh, put all this under the truth of the gospel. This is a process of redemption. Uh, we're in God's kingdom. We're expecting God to work in us and through us to put him on display to the world. We're his people living for his glory. Uh, we've been graciously accepted. Some of us come out of sinful backgrounds. Some of us have sinned sexually. Uh, some of us have struggled even as believers in that area. But now we have a changed life, a changed heart, and the opportunity to live and glorify Him in every way and uh, live with the hope of the new world that's coming. Marital oneness. The theme to begin with here is to understand, first and foremost, marriage is instituted by God to reflect Christ's mystical union between Christ and His church. The same way we become one in Him and He in us, God wants us to experience and express that oneness in marriage with our spouse. Uh, it is to be honored in every way as an institution created by God. And that's one reason it's totally under attack by our world and by the principality, principalities and powers of this world. It is a covenant relationship through which the, war, the Lord desires to model unity and permanence. Those words should be underlined, unity and permanence. The sexual relationship is one aspect of that oneness which God planned for marriage and is to be experienced within and only within the marital relationship. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Uh, understand there's forgiveness, there's grace uh, when people fall into that, but understand that's God's uh, desire and uh, His plan and purpose for marriage to be holy. It is designed to grow into being a full and pure expression of one fleshness. This is God's perfect plan for a husband and wife to become one in mind, in spirit, in motion, will, and body. And I, I really believe uh, it's it's the mind that's illumined uh, in Christ, the, the spiritual growth that comes 
that allows the emotion and will to come under the leading of the Spirit of God. And the bodies last. Our culture has this backwards. Let's have sex, and then if we like it and we get along, we'll get married. Uh, that's not God's plan. God's plan is to grow together spiritually and emotionally and intellectually and then allow through marriage the expression of these things as they develop and grow. Therefore, a man shall leave his father, mother, and, his and hold fast to his wife. The idea here is to be glued to her, be welded to her. They shall become one flesh. Uh, love is to uh, overwhelm and, and, and dominate this relationship. It's God's word, agape, or agapao. It's a verb in, in uh, <clears throat> Ephesians 5 a continual, progressive love that is irrevocable. It's unselfish. It's based not on worth or performance. It's based on the fact that we are empowered by the love of God to love others as he's loved us. This is his commandment. But this love is, is to be guarded for this special, unique relationship that's most important in our life, our marriage. Sex is to be under the control of the Spirit in this relationship as an expression of the oneness of biblical love. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Uh, obviously, uh, people that don't know Christ, they're, they're led by the flesh. That's where I was until I came to know Christ in our relationship. I was, I was a little bit like the older gentleman sitting up here on the stage. All I wanted was sex, and uh, I'd do anything to manipulate it and get it from my wife. The idea is that it should be created and, and led and empowered by God and His Spirit. The Song of Solomon makes this concept of sex so much a part of God's plan and purpose for us. That I, I, I want to encourage you to go home and read that book together, the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Psalms, as it's called. It makes clear that God created us as male and female to delight underline that word, in each other's bodies and to desire sexual intimacy, to find passionate fulfillment and to be an expression of our oneness in Christ. Nowhere else in life is that oneness more fully experienced, valued, cherished, and uh, lived out than in the sexual interaction between a husband and a wife that's properly grown through the work of the Spirit and the Word in their lives. It's an expression of our oneness at the deepest human level. It is both good and holy because it is from God. Here's just a few words from, uh, from uh, the Song of uh, Songs. Uh, he's speaking, blow on my garden. Uh, this is X-rated, by the way, absolutely X-rated. If you look behind these words, you will understand this is their wedding night. Blow upon my garden, let its spice, spices flow. She, let my husband come into his garden and eat its choicest fruits. He, I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh and my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. This is a description, a godly, holy description of sexual intercourse in the marriage of Solomon and his bride. And the whole book is uh, focused on this in one way or another. Proverbs tell us this about this experience. It's to be mutually pleasurable and satisfying. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. What a powerful picture of what marriage is to be like. Understand marital oneness is something we grow in, and uh, this is an old concept, but the idea here is that uh, 
we as husbands and as husbands and wives, as we grow close to God, we will grow closer to each other. So this triangle diminishes in size. And this is what reconciliation and communication do. It empowers us and enables us when we, when we do it under the guidance of the Spirit and the Word to become more that one flesh uh, in, in that way. And in the course of that, we become more like God. So we see that happening in this next slide. We just become closer and more one, and we draw closer and closer to God. We become holy as he is holy. That's his plan and purpose. Okay, let's talk about sexuality in marriage. Uh, again, instituted by God, the sexual relationship is one aspect of oneness. It isn't all the deal. Uh, understand there's much to this, but it is a huge major part of it. I want to read slowly this, uh, this quote from the scriptures. This is for, from Eugene Peter, Peterson's translation, The Message. He says this, There is more to skin, or excuse me, more to sex than mere skin to skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As written in the scriptures, two shall become one. We must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that never becomes one. There is a sense in which sexual sin is different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God, given, uh, were made for God given, and God modeled love for becoming one with one another. And the, the purity and, and the holiness of the sexual experience is to be a kind of uh, uh, an exemplification of that in your relationship. We accomplish this not merely by understanding how we should act or not act, but how human sexuality reflects the very inner life of God and how it gives Him glory when we live it as He created it. And, and obviously, some of us didn't know this stuff growing up or didn't even know it in our early spiritual uh, growth. And so this, uh, this seminar in part is to help us glean and gain understanding in this so that going forward our marriages can more reflect the oneness God wants for us. We're designed by God as husbands and wives to give and receive from one another in the sex act. We're to relinquish the rights to our bodies, to our mates in marriage. These are very important words. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but her husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but his wife does. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, 4. Neither should dominate the other. Both should be willing to initiate sex. Both should submit Oops. to one another. Whether you're sick or tired, you may need to deny your desires as an act of love, or you may need to sacrifice for your mate, even if sexual desire is not present. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Uh, you should consider your spouse more important than yourself and emphasize giving to your mate rather than receiving for selfish purposes. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Sex is designed by God to be regular and to be an ongoing part of marriage. Frequency should be based on the couple's desires and not determined by influences outside of marriage, Hollywood, etc., 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 such as what others are doing. We are commanded by God to not deny one another except by mutual consent and for a limited time. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time. 
that you may devote yourselves to prayer and then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Uh, sex and marriage in the right and proper way uh, guards our hearts, protects us from the, the impact of, of the sexual immorality of our culture, the attacks of the enemy. If it's, if it's ministered rightly and properly in the marriage relationship, in many ways, I'm so grateful that I grew up before the Internet. I didn't even know the Internet existed until I'd been in ministry for 10 or 15 years. That's how old I am. And, and the availability, the accessibility of pornography, we're going to talk about pornography in a moment, but just the fact that I wasn't exposed to that in, in, in one measure, even in a, in a, in a sinfully sinful world, a sexually sinful world, uh, God protected me to a, to a large degree just because it wasn't that accessible. When I entered into ministry, I began to understand and grow on these concepts and, and began to grow an understanding how important my sexual purity was to my ministry. Jolene and I talked a great deal about that, and, and I'm so grateful for her willingness to come alongside me, to protect me, and to ensure that our marriage was, was adequate in meeting the sexual desires that both of us had. Uh, I could go on and on about this, but those realities are present everywhere that we live and work. And we, the, the best defense we have against a sexually, to live in a sexually immoral world, world is to have an incredibly wonderful marriage and, and a powerful sexual relationship in that marriage by not depriving one another. Sex and marriage is ordained by God. We're to maintain faithfulness until death. The two shall become one flesh, no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. These are Jesus' words. Okay, we're going to answer some questions here. The first of which is, uh, if my memory serves, is, uh, I don't remember, oh, here it is. Uh, the differences between men and women. Uh, there are unique differences that, that men have. There are unique differences that women have. So we're going to spend a few moments talking about those things. Uh, we're going to deal with the issue of frequency. Uh, we're going to deal with the issue of pornography. And then lastly, we're going to issue, uh, deal with the issue of how to learn to love each other and build a basis for a great uh, relationship sexually. Okay, let's jump into the issue of male and female sexuality. God created us as men, as women. The following list of sexual differences are preferences between men and women. These are generalizations. Understand this. These may not be true for you. Uh, we just uh, look at the list. Part of your assigned time today to, uh, uh, I think I'm losing, oh, am I okay? Yeah, okay. Uh, these, uh, these generalizations are in your uh, assignment package for uh, the breakout time. We want you to talk through them, uh, look through them, say what's true for you, discuss that as you're uh, uh, in relationship to your marriage. Okay, here's the list for men. And then I'm going to ask Jolene to come up in a moment, and I'm not going to talk about ladies. I'm going to make her talk about ladies. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, not going to touch that one. Number one, uh, men are more aroused by sight and fragrance, fr fragrance than a woman is. A man's sexual desires are not affected by the emotional state of the marriage. A man is more focused on the physical aspect of sex. We saw that up here a few moments ago. Uh, he will be ready to climax sooner than she is. Therefore, a man needs to be under the control of the Holy Spirit to wait for his wife's readiness in this, in this precious, wonderful time. 
that both are blessed, both are, are fulfilled in it. A man needs to be unselfish and to develop a sensitivity toward his wife and her response to his lovemaking, his touch. A man uh, is more difficult to distract during foreplay and during the physical act. A man is not as desirous of having the afterglow part of caressing and verbal affection. A man will usually reach climax during the sex act. His desires are not cyclical, and he is not necessarily romantically inclined. You forgot your microphone. You forgot the microphone. Oh, it doesn't work. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm interfering with him already. I tried to turn on the microphone, and I cut him off. So (laughs) I'm up here to use this microphone. Uh, Talking about women. Newsflash, we're different than the guys, if you hadn't figured that out. Um, Our desire uh, for sex tends to be cyclical, and it may be affected by our hormonal cycles. Um, Women, um, okay, I need to move where I can see. (laughs) Uh, Sexual desire or a lack of desire, which is affected by the character of her husband and the emotional state of her marriage. Guys, um, what's a man to do? Do you remember that message about your role is to love your wife, you know? And if you're loving her in a biblical way, her love tank, her emotional tank is going to be full. And she's just going to be willing to pour out to you in submission and giving in the sex act. Uh, So that emotional part is so key for women. And you guys need to be aware of that. If she's treated lovingly, tenderly, and sensitively on a consistent basis, she'll usually have a far greater sexual desire. It takes longer to arouse her than a man, so foreplay's really important for a woman. Can be easily distracted during foreplay and during the act. You know, God has created us to be mothers, and if there's a baby in the next room who starts to cry, we're going to be really distracted, guys, no matter what, because God made us that way. So that's just a part of being together. Next slide. May not be consistent in reaching climax. Uh, some women reach an orgasm during the act of intercourse. Some women climax through external stimulation. Some women don't have orgasms. Others rarely have them. If you're in this camp, any one of those, you're still normal. But there can be things that interfere with a woman reaching orgasm. And so if that's true for you, it's good to make a visit to your physician and ask the question, is there something anatomical that's preventing this? And then is, she's romantic. You know, women desire the verbal, the caressing, the foreplay, and the afterplay. Um, our, our, our sexual desire usually declines with hormonal changes, pregnancy, menopause. All of those things affect us as the aging process moves forward. And there's help everywhere. Uh, one of the wonderful things about being a part of the body is if you're young and you're facing any of these things, approach a woman who's been through that season of life, and she can help you navigate the waters Thank you. 
Remember, these, these are uh, generalizations. Uh, it's not uncommon to encounter men and women who uh, withdraw at times, uh, and uh, oftentimes that can be a result of sinfulness in their relationship, sinful attitudes, uh, unreconciled situations in the relationship can have a, a big impact as well. So we need to deal with those, uh, the sinfulness especially. Uh, learning and growing to apply scriptural principles to our lives will help uh, build and maintain and grow a loving sexual union. God has designed us for this. Uh, it's to be a ministry of pouring out his love to each other, to enhance the marriage, to enrich our relationship uh, and so part of what we want you to do today is communicate about this. How's it going in your marriage? Uh, the, there's, this list is in your notes. We want you to talk through those. <clears throat> talk about uh, them with each other and, and gain understanding. Learn to minister to each other in this area. Make prayer a part of this part of your life. And uh, uh, thank God for the fact that uh, he made us in these ways. Thank him for uh, the beauty and the power and the fulfillment of the sexual relationship. All of those things can build and enhance and develop your marriage uh, and your oneness uh, in, in powerful ways. <coughs> From the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. Remember this. We're to leave our fathers and mothers and to hold fast to our wives and become that one flesh. Okay, normal sexual frequency. Um, I'm not an expert on this. I've not done no surveys on this. So most of this is pulled from an article that I found on Focus on the Family. Uh, and I, I think there's great wisdom here. Uh, simply it says, research and society's representations help form our perceptions of what is normal. Based on what you see on television, hear people talk about, read, you may conclude that, sexually abnormal, you, that you are sexually abnormal because you don't fit the stereotype where you have sex uh, seven days a week. You don't, don't be confused by what average is. What's important is what's normal for you and your relationship. Uh, averages in marriage, uh, typically men desire sex more than women. Uh, that's pretty normal. Uh, but sometimes that's not true. There are relationships where women are more desirous of that than are men. Be careful not to get hung up on what everybody else is doing. The thing that really matters is that you both work toward intimacy and fulfillment in your own bedroom. Uh, talk about how often uh, you desire this and, and, and work toward a, a common uh, understanding and, and a common pattern in your relationship. Uh, don't use the world to measure or make you feel inadequate or inferior in the development of your own sexual oneness in your marriage. Your relationship with your spouse is what it is. You want to grow that and make it be all that it can be. If this explanation describes your marriage, uh, you know, of, of, of being uh, kind of unhappy with frequency, whatever, uh, embrace the fact that there really is nothing wrong with your marriage. It's, it's what you want it to be. It's what the two of you settle on and agree on. And, and that's obviously going to probably change with seasons of life. When you have little children, it's probably going to be less frequent just because of energy and other things. Uh, but then uh, when you get to be like this old couple up here, it can be more frequent. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, don't think of yourselves as abnormal or inferior. Just make the best of what works for the two of you. Work on building it and making, all, making it all that it can be in the way of fulfilling uh, your life uh, with this incredible experience God has given us and uh, function as, as, as a couple who honors him.
Now the tough one. Today we cannot avoid the subject of pornography. This graph that's on the chart or on the screen is from the Desiring God Ministries, which is the ministry of, um, (coughs) brain cramp, John Piper. And it is a chart of, uh, if you could see it, it's probably not very clear to you, 8,000 Desiring God readers or followers. 8,000 people responded to this, uh, this chart on pornography. And what it says to us is that males age 18 to 25, over 45% of them have been involved in pornography at some level. That decreases with age, and this was done currently. I was shocked by the fact that 10% of young women in our time and day are involved in pornography. It's that available. It's that um, accessible in our culture, in our time. It's just a click away on your computer. Uh, So understand how prevalent it is. And what I want to talk with you now is about the destructive nature of pornography on marriage. Understand, uh, and this comes from a Dr. Victor Klein, He says, one of the devastating effects of pornography and other sexually explicit material is that it sabotages the ability to enjoy normal sex. In many marriages, the husband isn't interested in sex with his wife because he has been programmed to respond to a much higher level of erotic stimulation because of what he's been looking at. After viewing material filled with perfectly shaped women doing wild and perverse acts, a man naturally may, be diffi- may have difficulty becoming stimulated by his 40-year-old, average-looking, reserved wife. This is what Klein says in his research. With the passage of time, the addicted person requires rougher, more explicit, more deviant and kinky kinds of sexual material to get their highs and their sexual turn-ons. It's reminiscent of individuals with drug addictions. Over time, it nearly always has to increase to meet the needs for stimulation and effect. Being married in a relationship with a willing sexual partner did little to solve this problem. Their addiction and escalation were mainly due to the powerful sexual imagery in their minds, implanted there by exposure to pornography. What I want you to ponder is what's said in this paragraph, and this should break our hearts. I've had a number of couple clients where the wife tearfully reported that her husband preferred to masturbate to pornography than to make love to her. This is the horror of allowing your mind, men, to go to this place with this stuff. Not only does porn present a high level of sexual excitement than marital sex, it also allows a man to have sex on his term. And I want us all to remember this. Porn is always available, never too busy, always inviting. It doesn't criticize. It doesn't require foreplay or patience. It isn't dependent on feeling close. It never has a headache. When a guy is engaged in this type of sexual outlet, his sexuality becomes centered on his immediate needs and demands. And this really, really, really breaks my heart because it stands against God's plan and purpose for sexuality and for marriage. The prospect of working through a messy issues of marriage becomes pretty unattractive. 
working through the issues in our relationship of communication, of reconciliation, of learning to bless and, 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 and enhance the, the marital relationship through the Spirit of God and His Word is diminished. It is even possibly destroyed by porn. That is an incredibly serious issue because it's totally destructive to what marriage is to be about and it totally removes the desire to cultivate, nurture, and develop and grow in oneness in Christ and in the marriage bond. That's the impact of porn. I, I, I want to say this as well. God is a forgiving God. I don't know where you're all at, um, but I know God is a forgiving God. And if, if these issues uh, have touched your life in any significant way, I pray to God you'll reach out to one of us to get help, seek help, find help through the other brothers in your community group, wherever. Try to find strengthening in this area so that you can give your heart, your attention, and your life to cultivating and developing oneness with your wife in the way God wants you to do it to strengthen you as a follower of Christ, to strengthen you as a spiritual leader, to strengthen you as a man of God God wants you to be and, and to be a blessing to her. And, and out of this, let him get the victory. Let him be glorified. Let him renew and transform your life with all power. You know, we spent some time last session looking at the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is so integral in our lives in this area. Uh, the scripture says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Pornography feeds the flesh. It feeds the flesh because it's easy. It doesn't require commitment. It doesn't require a good relationship. It doesn't require anything but a computer anymore. Understand that it's feeding the flesh and it can uh, work in powerful ways against you building the kind of relationship God wants. Understand the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. The idea up here is to progressively and continually walk by the Spirit. This crucifixion of the flesh is a once-for-all it is a decision point in our life where we say, I'm going to trust God to work in me and through me to empower me to turn away from this. That's the power of the gospel. And our prayer and hope is that if you've been caught up in this in any way, God will empower you through his spirit to crucify the flesh, not gratify it, and to move on. <clears throat> we touched on both of these passages of scripture for for uh, wives and husbands, submitting to your husbands. I'm not going to take time to read them, but just understand there's sermons online about these. Uh, husbands, loving your wives continually, focusing on her sanctification, your sanctification. One of the great purposes of marriage is that through marriage we would grow to know and love God more and more as we have to deal with the sin of our relationship. I would learn to love my wife and where I, where I would cherish her and where I would affirm her, and I would do all I can to empower her to become the woman of God that God's called her to be, and, and to build and develop this idea of one flesh. Here's some ideas about maybe practically how to do this, how to love your mate. Going back to the Song of Songs, uh, verses 2 through 4 of chapter 1, 
Uh, I love, uh, again, this is a great uh, a letter to read and ponder and think about. Uh, she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chambers. The things we see here uh, enacted between them are kissing, affection, embrace, touch. Uh, come to her clean and fragrant. You know, he, he put on his aftershave or whatever. I, I don't know. And, and, and he took a shower. Uh, and he came uh, wanting to please her. He came and, and he led her and spent time with her. Uh, I, I love the fact, uh, draw me after you. Let us run together. Spend time together. And then he brings her into his chamber uh, to share and, and to enjoy lovemaking as God intended. Another passage, I compare you, my love, uh, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. And guys, this is not, uh, you won't get this because you're too young, but we used to call old horses old nags. And you maybe heard wives referred to the old nag at home. Well, this is not where that came from. <laughs> Lover is the mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Uh, that was a, a great-looking horse. It would, it would be a thing of beauty. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. While the king was on his couch, my nard was for, forth its fragr- gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a satchel of myrrh and lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of hyena, blossoms in the vineyards of Ingedi affirming the appearance and strength, giving gifts. She comes clean and fragrant to him, affirms him and tells him uh, what pleases her. Just these, these words just emanate what uh, the sexual uh, erotic side of our relationship should be like. She said, the apple trees among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banquet house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. She affirms him and expresses her delight at being with him. He provides care for her. He caresses her. He embraces her. He overcomes barriers just to be with her. I I love this. Uh, He leaped over mountains, bounding over the hills. So take the scripture, read these things together. Ask how how can we enact these things in our our romance, in our marriage, in our times of being together? And and how can that develop and enrich and... and, uh, uh, build our intimacy in our marriage. Here's some other ideas just from some of the exhortations in the scripture of the one another's. You know, if the one another's in the Bible are meant for anybody, they sure ought to be meant for our marriage. Are we loving one another in these ways? And I just got three examples here for you. Uh, we're to love one another. There's 60 of these exhortations of scripture, so you've got a lot of work, uh, a lot of places to go and think through this. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing up with one another in love, be accepting of one another's difference. Remember, you're to complete and complement one another. Therefore, welcome, accept one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Accept differences as contributions to growth in oneness. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving 
our thankfulness in your heart. Encourage one another toward obedience in Scripture. Worship and grow together in thankfulness. Spend time praying together. Bear one another's burdens and so be fulfilled in the law of Christ. Share child care, instruction, discipline, household chores, care of the house, guard, vehicles, that kind of thing. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutually upbuilding, building one another up, verbally encourage and affirm one another that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for the other. Okay, it's time for our breakout. I want to just give you a couple of instructions quickly. In your packet, you'll see uh, the gender uh, sexuality slides. What we want you to do is take a few moments together and just read through those and discuss those with your spouse. Uh, Talk about what's true for you, how you can uh, bless and benefit each other, uh, help each other understand your uniquenesses on the next page it's talking points for couples how do i please you in sexual intimacy how can i bring you more pleasure in sexual intimacy what do i do that makes you feel loved what can i do to better express my love for you work at building the intimacy and the oneness in your relationship and then at the end is just expressing biblical love it's another checklist just some things to read through together and and examine your relationship uh, are some of these things a barrier to your growth in oneness and growing in uh, the love that God has for you as well as uh, he wants to see developed and cultivated in your lives? Understand the goal is to grow in this intimacy and, and this thing called oneness that exalts God and brings glory and honor to him. Okay, uh, so it's a little bit after 1130. We'll come back just a smidge after 12, about uh, two or three minutes after 12. And we're on schedule to get done on time.